Praise God. I wanted to also say we so appreciate Brother Larry and his wife Rose. They're going to be uh, helping up, stepping up in some of this ministry with Legend Oaks, and they have such a heart. By the way, we're not just going over to give hugs. We're going over and ministering a word of knowledge and blessing these people. We're praying for them. It's a real opportunity to just bless those people. So appreciate the Iraqos. The Iraqos coming over with your family. Those kids just... Those folks just love your children, and Bill and Judy and others that come as well. Uh, Paul and Linda, you've come with us. I wanted, I'd like you to stand to your feet. Can you stand to your feet? I, I, I want you guys to do something with, with me before I dismiss the children. I would like everybody to come down in front. Would you come down in front just for a minute? I want you to come down. Everybody come down in front. I, I really felt the Lord impress on me something here that... Um, I just want to say as you're coming that God has his hand on you and he has his hand on this house. How many of you believe the anointing breaks every chain? It breaks every yoke. And we serve a God who desires, first of all, to refresh you. His desire is to pour his living power and spirit upon you so you're not walking alone. There should be no reason why anyone is alone. We're a body connected. The second thing I want to just say is that the Lord wants to bring an impartation of a prophetic understanding of your mission in life. Some of us may be just spiritually wandering. God wants you to have a vision. He wants you to have confidence in that vision. Amen. Do you believe that? And I believe the Lord also wants to just really embrace you, wrap his arms around you this morning. He wants you to know that he is well pleased with you. I want you to say this, well pleased. Because, you know, I need the confidence of a God who has his hand on me. Now, here's, here's the big battle. The battle is in our mind, isn't it? Because we're walking... We're going through things. Some of us are actually burned out. We're tired. How many of you can say, Pastor Ray, I'm a little tired and I've been burned out? Anybody there? Amen. Anybody kind of go through that? We all go through that season. By the way, that's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're backslidden. It doesn't mean you're in sin. In fact, I'm going to share something personal today. In fact, I need to tell you, Judy, the Lord spoke to me to go a whole different direction today. So I will not use it in my PowerPoint. It's one of those kind of dangerous messages. Uh, the reason, not for you, but it's for me. Because I'm going to open something in my life to you that the Lord spoke to me this morning. And, uh, you know, I don't like that because I spend a lot of time in prayer and in the Word the Lord says, save it for another day. And I have to follow what the Lord is. It, it, the urgency is so strong. This word is not anybody here specifically. It might, but I felt like the Lord gave me a word. And the title of it is What Happened in Asia. That's what I'm going to be sharing. But before we get into that, I want you to take each other by the hand. Because, and the reason I have brought you down here is this, this reason is because I want you to know that you are connected. Everyone's connected. I am connected to people in the body of Christ 
that really cares about you. They may not know what you're going through, but you are to be connected. You are to be connected because connection is how we grow. If you are a branch that is severed from the vine, the Bible says you'll wither and die. But when we're connected and when we're receiving life and we're receiving the love of God and the encouragement and the uh, power of a prophetic now word, that word takes us right through the storm. We're not alone because that prophetic revelation. The second thing I want you to know is not only are you here to receive, but you have something to impart. And you know the Bible says it's more blessed to what? Give than to receive. If you are not a river, that a river is coming and going, but if you become a lake, then the lake becomes a cesspool. And if there is no outlet, you're going to get really stinky. How many of you don't? We don't want to stink, do we? We want the water of life to flow through us. Amen? So I'm going to just pray. And I, I, do, I do have just a couple of words I want to share as well. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and share right now. Amen. I, I just, first of all, I just want to say, and I know you've received many words, but I just, I just want to say to you that, that there has been like a Rachel. You've been like Rachel in the Bible. And uh, you are married to an Isaac. And God has connected you. And you know, you've been a faithful individual. You've loved the Lord. You've served the Lord even at times when you didn't know if you could continue on because you were stretched beyond measure. But I just want to say the Lord has a double portion. Remember when Job went through the sea? I'm sorry. Do do I need to take a mic? Okay, I'll, I'll stay up here. Thank you. But the Lord just said, you're receiving from him something that is supernatural. You're going to experience just that second wind. And I I just felt like the Lord's to say, he is becoming the wind underneath your wings. You have stretched out. You waited on God. You said, Lord, my wings are extended. But where's the wind? And I just see the Lord supernaturally undergirding and just lifting you into heavenly places. And there's a double portion of life on you. And Norma, I just want to say to you, there's a faithfulness in your heart. You've been faithful. There has been a tsunami at times that has hit you. But you know what? You didn't complain. You You decided to take a surfboard and ride the wave. And the Lord, I, I saw you surfing a wave that everybody else was running from. You said, this is a good one to take. I'm going to take this wave and I'm going to ride it. And you know what? You've seen problems turn into triumphs because of you experiencing and you, you decided to, you're a tremendous, you have a gift of faith. You need to let, you know what? You're very timid. You're the kind of a woman that would rather sit behind the scenes and let others come up front. Bible says God's going to take the last and make them first. And the Lord is going to bring you out. You're kind of like David. I know you're not a male, but you're like David. You've tended the sheep and you were happy. You've been serving faithful in that way. But God has some real royalty and some 
place of authority and just going to bring you into a place of ministry. And because you have been uh, low, there's, there's been a humility in your own eyes. The Bible says God exalts the humble. Amen. I just, I just wanted to say that to you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God, God is a good God. Amen. He's a good God. I want to say this to you, Shirley. Praise God. I see you as a bride in battle boots. I see you with boots on your feet. And you know how to wade through the mud. You have waded through stuff. But you know what? You know how to fight. You're a warrior. And God has put a weapon in your hand. And you know what? You've seen a lot of stuff go in and out. But he did not allow you to walk through what you went through, that he didn't give you the grace and the strength and the wisdom and the power to do it. And you know what? You are not weak. You are strong and you are mighty in God to pull down strongholds. And I want you to have confidence. When you pray, mountains move. When you pray, giants fall. When you pray, breakthrough comes. You know, you, you've gone through some times where you were so by yourself and you had no resources. But God allowed you to go through trouble so that you could comfort those who were in that trouble. Amen? Amen. Praise God. He's a good God. Amen? Amen. He's a, he's a delivering God. Now let's pray. I want us to just pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the power of your presence and the Spirit of God. And Lord, you come this morning to breathe upon this house a fresh breath of resurrection life. Lord, we're not dead. We're not without life. We are not weak. We are strong through God who raises us up by his mercy this morning. I'm asking you, Lord, to just pour out upon us and bring refreshing. Let life, let fire come. We thank you, Lord, that a day of healing is flowing. Healing is flowing through the house. Life is flowing. Mercy is flowing. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We give him praise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn around. Go, go give someone a hug, but go right back to your seats. I'm going to share just for a few minutes this morning. Just a few minutes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, mighty God. If you could just take your Bibles just for a few minutes. Oh, we can go ahead and dismiss our children. Go ahead and dismiss our kids. I'm sorry about that. You can take your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1 this morning. I'm going to share something with you. The Holy Spirit laid on my heart. 
It's entitled, What Happened in Asia? How many here have ever been in a place in your life, whether it's geographic or maybe it was a season in your life that changed your life? How many have ever been in a place where you can look back and you might say, wow, I was in a place that was very difficult to walk through. And you didn't actually think that you'd make it through it. You actually felt that maybe the end was there. How many of you ever felt like you were at the end? Just at the end. It could be emotionally, spiritually, relationally, at the end. The one of the things I think that really qualifies any pastor or leader is their ability to be transparent. Let me tell you why it's important to be transparent. Because transparency is what conveys the grace of God. It's not a message. It's not just teaching a principle. Transparency is how we empower others to experience the grace of God. Because do you know what an experience is? An experience is real life. How many here have ever had an experience? Let me tell you something about an experience I had this week. How many of you know it really rained hard? Well, I thought I was a good builder until this week. All of a sudden, I noticed leaks coming into my house. Leaks that I, where I put, my parents came and visited us, for, visited us this past week, and leaks were coming in their bedroom. And then we had leaks in our kitchen. And all of a sudden... Yours truly panicked because, I mean, the rain kept coming and the leaks kept coming and my parents were in the house and we had buckets everywhere. Probably not everywhere, but just in two major areas. But I had these leaks and uh, just nothing went the way I'd hoped this week. And I went through this season of, wow, how am I going to deal with this? I was trying to deal with something that was out of control, out of my control. And uh, I remember just going into my bedroom, and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm really losing my peace. I had a lot of things I had to do here at the church as well as outside the church, but then we had this, and my parents were here, and it just couldn't, couldn't control the situation. And I remember going into my bedroom, actually even into my bathroom, and I said, Lord, I need help. I know some of you might say, well, Pastor Ray, the you had was a leak on your roof. Man, get a grip on life, partner. Uh, well, it was, uh, just, there was more things going on than that. But I had this leak going on, and uh, I had to just bring it before the Lord. And I said, you know, Lord, I can do only what I can do, but I surrendered it to the Lord. And you know what? When you surrender things to the Lord, the best I could do was just put buckets under the leak and collect the drops, and keep putting the water out in the, in, of the house, and then rejoice and be happy. I couldn't get the roof fixed. So I had to learn to rejoice in things that were not quite finished. Are you following what I'm saying? Sometimes we want our life to be textbook perfect and everything in place and ready to go, and that didn't happen. And the Lord says, I want you to rejoice in the fact that you just even have a house over your head, Ray. Oh, thank you, Lord, for a house over my At least it's not leaking in every room. So I had to look for things 
to be thankful for. In other words, I had to have a major attitude shift. But I want you to see something here in the life of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. He's speaking to the Corinthians here of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Here is an apostle. Here is an apostle opening up about burnout. Now somebody could say, you know what, Paul, you're taking too much on yourself. But that's not, Paul's problem wasn't burnout. He was going through some burnout, but notice what he says. The purpose of this trouble. He says, verse 9, yes, we had the death sentence. It was a death sentence in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. That is a huge revelation. Do you know what God, Paul's saying here? Paul is saying that God will allow a death sentence, maybe to your dream, to your vision. It might even be in a relationship. It might be in your finances. He will allow a death sentence. He will allow your dreams to die. He will allow things that you planned on die. And you're praying. Man, you're a charismatic Pentecostal Bible-believing promise standing, and you're saying, in Jesus' name, I rebuke the devil. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, for the promises that your word says that I'm to stand on. I'm, I'm a break. I, I believe in breakthrough. I stand on the promises of God, and guess what? Everything goes to hell in a hen basket. It falls apart, and you're scratching your head and say, wow, is there sin? Did I have enough faith? What's wrong with me? And the devil is tearing you to shreds. And what we find here is God let it happen. Remember years, two, three years ago, I was in prayer and I, I prayed a prayer that I actually hesitated to pray in the beginning. I thought I had surrendered everything to God. How many here have ever felt like you really laid everything on the line for the Lord? Anybody ever been? Uh, well, I'll, if I'm the only one raised, then I guess I, I'm the one who, I'm here at the altar needing help in Jesus' name. But, but I, thought, I thought I really laid everything before God. And I really, I, I, I thought that I was living a surrendered life until the Lord brought me to my Asia. Asia, by the way, doesn't have to be a geographic. It could be a season in your life. It could be a time where you are perplexed and you cannot put the pieces of it together. And so when I was, uh, my Asia, and by the way, I've had many Asias, but in this particular Asia I'm sharing with you is that I have a family member that uh, is my son. I love, I have three sons. I love all of them very dearly. And uh, my wife and I did our best to raise them in the house of the Lord, raise them with kingdom principles. I by no means am a perfect father. I had a lot of faults. I had anger issues. 
even in the pastorate, I didn't do well. I had, I had plenty of weaknesses. But I remember a couple of years ago, my, one of my sons was going through a season and, and he eventually got a divorce. But the thing that really began to rip me up to shreds was watching my grandson go through this. And I began to blame God. I got really angry with God. And I said, Lord, I th- I, I've been serving you. I've been standing on the promises. And, and now my grandson is walking through something that he shouldn't have to go through. And I remember in my heart being angry with God. Some people thought I was burned out because of ministry. Ministry never burned me out. You know what? We, we, my wife and I love people. We love to help people. Ministry doesn't, didn't burn us out. What burned me out was I got my focus off of the Lord, and I tried to fix something that God would not let me fix. Anybody ever been there? How many have ever tried to fix something you can't fix? I am a total type A personality. Some of you may or may not know what that means, but that means I am driven to fix it. I wanted to fix the leaks this week. Guess what? I couldn't fix it. Have you ever been there where you can't fix it? And you're believing God. I'm fasting and praying. I was praying for a marriage that fell apart, that was broken. And I couldn't, I couldn't help it. And I went through a very difficult time, even to the point where I opened a whole, horrible door in my life. And as no excuse, but I remember I went and I looked at some pornography. I was upset. No excuse. I, I do not blame the church. I don't blame my wife. I had to blame nothing. I don't even blame my kids. I took a wrong turn. You may say, well, Pastor Ray, why are you saying this? First of all, the Lord spoke to me to be transparent. You know what happened when we came back off, our, off of our sabbatical? Many, many people in this church came up to us and said, thank you, Ray, for your transparency. Because it gave them the freedom. How many of you know you can't disciple others until you first disciple yourself? You can't disciple anybody until you disciple yourself. And I learned one thing about discipling. You've got to be healthy. There's got to be a measure of health there. And so the Holy Spirit spoke to me early spring. says, I want you to focus, Ray, on the healing of the inner man in my people. And that's what I've been doing. Some of you asked me, Pastor Ray, what's the vision? What's the mission of the church? Here's the mission, to bring healing to the inner man of God's people so you can go out and win the world. If you're broken, all you're going to do is convey brokenness to people. But until you get to a place where God brings a healing in your life, you'll never be able to pass that healing to other people. God wants to bring a measure of healing to you. Can you hear me? Healing, you need to have healing. And so the Apostle Paul talks about this sentence of death that we should not... Here's Paul. Here's the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. He had the sentence of death, and he says this, and here's here's what, what Paul said. He says, who delivered us from such a great death and does deliver us in whom we trust he will still yet deliver. Past present and future. 
The key word here is, will you trust me? Will you trust me when you can't see the evidence of breakthrough? Will you trust me when death happens to your dreams? You know, we, we, Bill Johnson wrote a powerful book called Dreaming with God. And we believe in dreaming. We believe God wants to fulfill the dream. God wants to give a vision. God wants to plant in every heart. He wants to put a mission in your heart. But you know, when even God spoke to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And I want you to call those things that are not as though they are. I want you to believe me, Abraham. And the Bible says in Genesis 12 that Abraham departed and went into a strange land. And the first thing that began to happen in that man's life is he goes through a famine. He's hungry. His family's hungry. So he goes down to Egypt. And you know what he does in Egypt? It's amazing what happens when the heat's put on you. He asks his wife to tell a half lie, to cover his own skin. Because Abraham is only thinking of himself. You'd say, why in the world would God ever use a man, a coward like that? Aren't you thankful God can use cowards? Read it. In Genesis 12, God, in the same chapter, God tells him he's going to use him powerful. In the, in the same chapter, a famine hits the land. God leads him, allows him to go through something, a famine, and he goes into Egypt. And he puts this charade together to protect himself. At the same time, he's putting his wife in a vulnerable situation. And when I read Romans chapter 4, there's a little bit of a contradiction there because when we come into the season of grace, what we find is God is not looking at the faults because now God sees you through the blood of Jesus as an overcomer. But here I want you to notice something else. Jump over with me into Acts chapter 20. Here's a little bit more of what the Apostle Paul went through in Asia. What happened in Asia? Acts chapter 20. Notice what it says. Verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. This is the Apostle Paul. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that, you came, or that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, Serving the Lord with humility, with many tears and trials that happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. Paul was a preacher and a teacher. He was feeding the people, testifying to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. And see, verse 22, and see now, I go bound in the Spirit. Wow! Where's faith there? He says, I go bound. What he's talking about here is that Paul is filling a reservation. Yet he's saying here, I'm serving the Lord and believing God, preaching repentance, but I go bound in the Spirit, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. I, I wonder if anybody came up to Paul and said, Hey, Paul! Where are we going? What are we doing? And why are we doing it? Paul says, I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on. Well, what are we doing it for? I don't know. The Holy Spirit told me to do it. 
Today, Paul would not fit in any leadership strategy with what that comment says. We're going, but not knowing. Anybody want to follow a leader like that? I don't know where we're going. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going. At least he's going. He's going somewhere. And he goes on here to say this. The things that will happen to me there, except, except, that the Holy Spirit tells me that in every city, chains and tribulations are waiting for me. Can I say this to you? If any of you feel restrained or chained, or you're going through some things in your life, you're probably right on track. If you're going through seasons where you're doubting, maybe you've gone through a season where you really don't know what's going on and all hell's breaking against you, you're probably right on track. You need to realize that sometimes God will work the sentence of death, and here's the reason why, so he can raise you up. He wants everyone to say, raise me. He doesn't allow you to go through. He doesn't even allow any temptation to be given or sent your way that is common to man that he doesn't give us the grace to come through it. And right here he says that in every city. Now, if I would have been an elder, I would have said, you know, Paul, that's the, I, I don't receive that. I don't receive that word in every city. There's got to be some breaks. There's got to be some things that are really going good. But the Holy Spirit tells Paul, every city. Do you know why in every city change and trials and problems? is because the message of grace always is met with opposition because of the culture and because of a religious spirit that wants to keep people from experiencing true freedom. The message of freedom always brings opposition. Let me say that again. The message of grace and the message of freedom brings opposition opposition because the devil doesn't want God's people free. And do you know God will allow your expectations? He will allow your dreams to die. He will allow things to just hit rock bottom so he can raise you up triumphantly. But he will allow it in your life. And here's the other thing. Do not, do not cover or hide your testimony because your testimony is the message of deliverance. Do you know why God allows you to go through death? Is so your message will become life to someone else. It's not for you. Your weakness, your sins is a testimony of God's mercy so you can give a testimony to someone that if God did it for me, he can do it for you. I was just talking to someone before church today how they walked through a season. And I said, you know what? You are going to be a tremendous powerhouse because what you've gone through, do you know what? You cannot, you can grow in knowledge, but if you don't grow in wisdom, your knowledge is dead. Let me tell you something. A lot of people have knowledge, but they don't have belief. They know knowledge, but they don't have faith in the knowledge that they have because it's knowledge or it's faith or belief that transforms your behavior and brings about the miracle. We're filled, we're churches are filled with people with knowledge, but they don't believe what they know. And here's the reason why God allows us to go through the trial is so that the word of God will be tried. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4 about the... Uh, the parable of the sower, how it says that when the seed fell on stony ground because the, it had no root, 
It says they would not allow the word to be tried in their life. And the only way the word of God is tried is when you are brought to the bottom. Paul goes on here to say this. Verse 24, but none, everyone say none, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord to testify the gospel of grace. Paul said, none of these things move me. I'm going to tell you right now, personally, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm just being honest with you. I'm getting there, but in my race, I have been moved. I've been, there's been times where I've had emotional pain and hurt. And you know, I, I can refrain or retract because of pain and hurt and onslaught. But God doesn't want me to be there. He wants me to get to the point where none of these things move me. Can you hear what I'm saying? This is what happened to the Apostle Paul. You see, you can't be raised until you walk through this season. By the way, we don't know how long the seasons are. But I remember even with my own son. The Lord spoke to me one day. He says, you know, Ray, do you not, do you think that you are your grandson's creator? Who, who gave you, Ray, the right to be in charge of what's going on? That's what the Holy Spirit spoke. Who gave you the right to dictate something that is not for you to control? By the way, that wasn't a happy prayer meeting for me. But the Lord said, who are you to dictate something? I said, but Lord, he's my grandson. He says, he may be your grandson, but he belongs to me, not you. He's not your property, he's mine, and you didn't redeem him, I did. And so I remember in prayer, I said, okay, Lord, I just release what I cannot control. And I wept. It was like Abraham laying Isaac. I could do nothing. I wrestled with hate. I wrestled with anger. I wrestled with bitterness. I could do nothing. But God spoke to me, says, he's not yours. I want to take you to another scripture. It's in 2 Timothy. Are you there? Are you there? Is anybody there? I don't know if I'm putting you to sleep or what. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is what happened in Asia. The Apostle Paul, speaking to his young son in the faith, knows what he says. Verse 13. Hold fast the pattern. In other words, there's a blueprint I've laid out for you, Timothy. The sound words 
which you have heard from me. This is a father who brings a pattern, a blueprint of the word of God into his life. In faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing, everyone say good thing. It's good. This is a good thing, which was committed to you. Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. I want you to look at me here. There's a good thing in you, and it's the Holy Spirit. And it dwells in you. And though our earthen vessel is weak and broken and shattered and marred and scarred, and everyone sees the nakedness of who you are, even the, but there is a treasure in, everyone say in, the treasure is in us. It's not what you see. You'll see the mar, you'll see the scars, you'll see the sin, you'll see the weakness, but it's what's inside that counts to God. Everyone else sees your scars. They see your sin. They see the ugliness of it. You may say, why doesn't God hide it? How many of you remember the encounter that Thomas had with Jesus after the resurrection? What did Thomas say? I will not believe until I see what? The nail prints in his hands and the scar in his side. And all of a sudden, Jesus, bing, he appears in the room. He doesn't walk through a door, he appears. And Thomas sees him. And Thomas comes over, or Jesus comes over and says, Thomas, fill the nail prints. See the scar in my side. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen. Have you ever thought of this? That when Jesus was resurrected, he's the only one that forever will have scars in his hands and a nail piercing in his side. Forever and forever and forever, Jesus has the scars of his death representing his love for you. You will never have scars in heaven, but he will forever have the scars which makes him the rightful Messiah and King of Kings because he's the true king that laid his life down for people. Where most kings don't. They send their people to go die for the king, but this king dies for his people. And he will forever have... Those scars are not scars of defeat. Those are testimonies of how he defeated Satan, went to hell, rose again. And what Jesus is doing, what the Apostle Paul is saying, and we're going to read it here, how those scars are intended to be your testimony of breakthrough in your life. You are not to be ashamed of the gospel. And even what you've walked through. Notice what Paul says. Verse 15. This you know. This is speaking to Timothy. That all those in Asia have turned away from me. Wow. That wouldn't preach so well today in many leadership conferences. Everybody in Asia turned away. How many of you want to follow a pastor like that? Some of you might say, well, maybe he, maybe he needs a little bit of critiquing. Maybe, maybe he was too harsh. Maybe Paul didn't use good tact in his speech. Maybe he had a speech impediment. Maybe he just didn't really communicate. Maybe he just turned people off. But here's a guy who's transparent. He says, everybody in Asia, everybody, everybody turned away. 
My question is, is what gives him the right to write most of the New Testament then? Because most people today follow the big crowd. Now, I'm not trying to make a case against large churches. That's not what I'm saying. But today, it does seem that what's popular and what's big seems to be exciting. And it seems to be the thing that gravitates others. But Paul says this, you know, those in Asia, they've turned away from me among those who are Philigus and Hermogenes, uh, great names there. But some of the scholars believe that these were two of the leading mentors that the Apostle Paul had. But he says that all have turned away. Notice in chapter 2, if you jump over into chapter 2, notice what it says in verse 8, verse 7. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not changed. Can you say amen? He suffered as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. Here, here Paul is bringing the gospel of peace, the gospel of grace, and he suffers. He's been scandalized. He's been gossiped about. People have taken his words and twisted. There were zealots back, taken his words, twisted his words. Unbelievable. And here Paul is telling this young man, he said this, I suffer these things even to the point of change. But I love what Paul's comeback is, but God's word has never changed. Can we say that? God's word is never changed. You might be going through something that you feel is chained, but God's word is never chained. I I want you to jump over with me to two things, two more scriptures, and then I'm done. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, because I believe this is the thing that kept Paul steady during this season. He said this in verse 16. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. People are leaving. By the way, we do have a low attendance today because people are actually gone. They're not leaving the church that we know of anyway. A lot of people are gone. But, but here, Paul is saying, We don't lose heart, though our outward man is perishing, but our inward man is being renewed. Notice what he says here. Things outwardly don't look well, but inwardly it's doing a work inside. How many here have ever... Let me tell you something about what happened to me about two years ago. I, I started this, and I've shared this a little bit. When I started on a particular lifestyle change in my own life to, to lose weight. I've, I've lost about 80 pounds over the period of time, but it's, it's been work. But I want to tell you, when I started out on this journey, it was pure pain. How many of you know that we just hate pain? But you know what? After about the third or fourth month of consistent exercise, I actually looked forward to the treadmill. You begin to look forward. Your, your taste changes. God be does, I, I really believe it, it, was, it was 
amazing. I learned a lot of spiritual things because of some physical and mental changes that I had taken place in my life. And even in the areas of what I walked through with my grandson, the Lord spoke to me. He says, Ray, I'm working all things together for your good, but I want you to stop cursing the bad. Stop cursing and demeaning the things you do not understand. Stop putting things down that you don't get because I am still working in you. And you know what? I had to, in my own den, I began to say, Lord, I worship you. I choose to believe and I choose to think on these good things. I choose to believe that the church is moving forward. I choose to believe that we are on the right track. I choose to believe, Lord, that I can lose weight. I choose to believe, Lord, that my taste buds are going to change and I'm going to start loving celery and tomato and I'm going to start liking avocados and Jesus me. I mean, I covered the whole gamut. In everything, give thanks. Amen? It starts with a vision, but then it begins to work on my mouth, my confession. Thirdly, I have to work on my attitude. And here the Apostle Paul says, oh, my vision needs to be what God's doing on the inward man because he's renewing me for the light affliction, which is but for a moment. Thank God this is just a season. Now, some of our seasons may go for a lifetime, but he calls it a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. I can't look at the buckets of water dripping in my house. I've got to fix it, but I'm not going to let that rob my peace. I may be working for a boss. I just can't stand the guy. Maybe, maybe he is absolutely without mercy. He has no sense of warmth in his life. But you know what God's placed you there? To pray for him. Have you ever had somebody in your life, God just puts them there? They may be a thorn in your side, but God didn't say to get rid of them. He said to pray for them. Amen? Didn't get a whole lot of amens on that one. Might even be your spouse. Might be a child. It, It might be something completely out of your curl. I'm not looking What he's saying is that, now obviously, you do see things. You're going to see things. You're going to see things that you are going to, you can't change. But he says, I don't want you to focus on what they are doing to you. I want you to focus on what I'm doing in you. I got to get, I got to move, I got to start living from the inside out rather than from the outside in. I'm living from, let me say it again, i got to live from the inside out instead of the out. When I did the stress to best class about a couple months ago, one of the things we talked about is protecting the inner core of the, of the inner man. If you are not guarding your heart, if you're not guarding your thoughts, if you're not guarding that sense of, of, of identity being seated with Christ in a heavenly place, that you are blessed, then the devil will continue to bombard you with lies and circumstances because he's out to destroy you. He will seek to destroy your faith. Notice what he says. We do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Jump back with me. Last scripture in 2 Corinthians 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. This is the closing text. This, this is why you go through the Asia season. What happened in Asia? A lot of terrific things against Paul's life, but this is what he, he gets from the revelation. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all. Everyone say all. He comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to what? Comfort those who are in any trouble. Why, why am I going through what I'm going through? Guess what? I, I can say this. I can bring a lot of compassion to parents or grandparents who are going through a season where they can't control something with their grandkids. How many of you know when you've walked through something, you have a lot of compassion for people? The trouble you walked through was not in vain. The things you've gone through was not a setback. It's intended to be, a, it's intended to be preparation for promotion. Everyone say preparation, preparation for promotion. God doesn't use your trouble, your sin, your failures, your weaknesses. He doesn't use your family. He doesn't use anything that's come against you to destroy or stop you. Satan will try to destroy and condemn you and say you're disqualified. No, you're actually more qualified now than you ever thought you were. Everyone say more qualified. What the Lord is saying here is because you've gone through trouble, you're qualified to comfort other people. Remember Peter? Peter denied the Lord three times. He lied. He was a coward. He was a chicken. He cursed. He swore. He never knew Jesus. After the resurrection, Jesus finds him. Not once does Jesus bring up his failure. Not once does Jesus bring up the fact that he was a coward and that he lied. Not once. You'll find people that bring up your weaknesses, though. They'll rub it in your face. And it's demonic and it's satanic. But that's not God. Jesus comes back and he says something to Peter that I think absolutely blew Peter's mind. He says, Peter, now, now you're qualified to feed my sheep. Now you're qualified to feed my lambs. Now you're qualified to tend the flock. He did not say, you're out. I knew you'd be a coward. See, folks, that's grace. And the message of grace that Paul was bringing to Asia was rejected because sin has a way of contaminating and destroying your mind and your faith to a place where you feel you have to work your way into God's grace and work your way into his sense of favor, and that's religion. We have to come to accept the fact that we can't do it. You know why God brought death in me? It's to just let me know and bring Ray to a place where, Ray, you can't do it. I'm going to do it. I know to some of you that may not be a revelation to you, but I like to fix things. Anybody out there that are fixers? I'm a fixer. And you know, it got to my attitude, it got into my emotions, but here's what it says. For as the sufferings, verse 5, of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. If we are afflicted, 
It is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for the enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also will you be partakers of the consolation. What Paul is saying here is this, your best days are ahead. Stop beating yourself up. Learn to let go. Start cultivating an atmosphere of hope. Stop trying to control things that God never intended for you to control. Learn to give trouble to God. By the way, God never intended for you to reject Asia. God never intended for Paul to see Asia as a season of his life that was horrible and bad, as a rotten season, a horrible season. I was abused, I was used, I was hated and rejected. No, God intended for you to know that God did something inside of you that is so powerful and is so impacting that you're going to change generations with your testimony. And if you could get that, you're going to be wiser for it. There is no such thing as wasted time. There is no such thing as a wasted season. It's not wasted. Nothing is wasted. Everything is important in his heart and his mind towards you. Amen? Bow your heads. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, like Paul, I'm in a season in my life. I've been going through Asia. There's been trouble. I've been, I have this sentence of death. There's things I cannot fix. And I just need the Holy Spirit to lift my eyes, to lift my heart, to see those things, as Paul says, while we look not at the things which are seen. Lord, help me to see the unseen. Help me to see, Father, what it is to trust. Just trust. Even though faith works patience, and we're to count it all joy when we fall into different kinds of trials. Help us to realize that patience is having a perfect work because God is developing something in us to bring promotion, life, and healing to the body of Christ and bring comfort to others. What you suffer is what gives you the authority and the title deed to comfort and be a blessing to others. Nothing is wasted. Maybe this morning you may say, Pastor, I just need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I need the wisdom of the Lord in a season I'm going through. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to just pray with you. Praise God. Many hands. Going through a season. I want to tell you, it's a, it's a season for promotion. It's a season for understanding. It's a season where God wants to open his heart, show you his great mercy and grace. Can't we all stand to our feet? I'm going to just, I want to just pray over those who raised their hand. I'm not going to. In fact, could we all just lift our hands and say, Father, we just received this morning. Even as the apostle was so transparent, Lord, we just open our hearts to you. that it is not by might, 
not by power. It's not by us fixing something. It's those things out of our control. Lord, we just give you the anger. We give you the hurt. We give you the wounds. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us walk in the wisdom and walk our faith out. As Paul says, that we come to that point where none of these things move us so that we might finish our race with joy. Help us to see the goal, the goal that you have in mind for us, Lord. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you, Lord, that you love us passionately. You love us so so much, Lord, that you feed us, Lord, and you cause us to lie down in green pastures. Lord, you restore our soul. And you even prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Lord, we surrender all things that we cannot fix. Lord, I thank you for Asia. I thank you for what you're doing, even though we do not understand everything. But we do understand this, that he which begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to someone and give them a hug. Go in the love of God. If any of you like prayer, I'd be glad to pray with any of you this morning. In Jesus' name.